Today's episode is sponsored by Alone in the Dark. The highly anticipated new reimagination by Pieces Interactive and THQ Nordic. Play as Edward Carnby or Emily Hartwood to explore your environments, fight monsters, solve puzzles, and uncover the true secret of Dorsetto Manor. Our favorite heroes are brought to life by Hollywood stars Jodie Comer of Killing Eve and David Harbour of Stranger Things, who lend not only their voices, but their appearance and their formidable acting skills to the brave protagonists. Experience a deep psychological story that goes beyond the realms of the imaginable, all dreamed up by Mikhail Hedberg, cult horror writer of Soma and Amnesia. The team at Pieces Interactive is supported by monster designer and legendary Guillermo del Toro collaborator Guy Davis, as well as doom jazz legend Jason Conan, who provides his eerie and haunting melodies for the right atmosphere. Alone in the Dark is available March 20th on PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Pre-order your copy now and escape into the dark. Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, BladeDisgusting.com's Dead Pixels horror video game podcast, delivering a horrifying new episode every Monday. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Krieger. And I am the other one, Neil Cole. And today we are chatting Tormented Souls from Chilean developers Dual Effect Games and Abstract Digital. Tormented Souls is a modern homage to fixed perspective survival horror games, in which the player takes on the role of Caroline, who receives a strange postcard that draws her to the Winter Lake Mansion in search of two missing little girls and the answers to her own mysterious past. So Neil, this was one of your honorable mentions, uh, as it were, for our 2021 horror episode, so I wanted to dive in and check it out, uh, because while... We've both been enjoying the uh, first-person perspective revival of classic horror titles such as uh, Resident Evil. That doesn't mean that at the same time, we're not looking once in a while to dive back into something that feels a little bit more in line with maybe traditional Resident Evil roots or just survival horror roots in general. For me, it's always interesting, I think, to go back and find games that are adhering to an older sense of uh, survival horror, but are they able to do something more than just be this sort of like pretty homage um so for you i guess the starting point would be what about tormented souls makes it a standout from other uh, survival horror homages out there well i think the first thing about it that really struck me is that it's the understanding you know of, of what made those games what they are and while you know the obvious references are like resident evil like alone in the dark um to me certainly in the taste factor uh, early on it, it brings to mind more those games that weren't made by the big bunch or that weren't like the you know the ones that are cult hits more like haunting ground and rule of rose and things like that stuff it felt more like that and instantly they were like well, okay that's great and not only did they do the fixed cameras but you know they did the pre-rendered backgrounds which to, to this day shows that how good that it is as a work i mean you go back and play resident evil remake and it's amazing how it still looks because of that and this captures that perfectly and i feel when you look at especially the backgrounds and the details of the the place you're in it's astonishing you know this was started by a couple of people you know and you know it's still not really a big team overall and i've seen so many games try and get this era of like you know survival horror games not the ps1 era as we said there's lots of exciting things you can do with that and have been done with that because the limitations help that to be the case and can be used as a weapon in making horror as we've said before the ps2 era was a little more refined in terms of what you could see and so and you know the art style was better realized so you had to rely on something a bit more. You had to have story and atmosphere that worked beyond the case of, oh, these graphics look a bit dodgy and that kind of makes that creepy. And yeah, this this is a game that gets that for a large portion of it. You know, it really understands to be that kind of game perfectly. Flaws and all. And I had to say flaws and all because there's stuff about that era of survival horror that doesn't quite click with me like it used to. And it 
it, it, back playing it then, it was like, mm, you know, there are bits of it where you get angry with it or a bit frustrating. Yeah, but this is exactly what it was like. And you reveled in all this. And like, you know, and that's what I especially admire is the fact that they didn't just go, well, we'll modernize it and we'll take that way. Because the more you modernize that, the less it is the game you once were, you know, the game, the sort of era you're trying to appropriate. And so, yeah, very brave to sort of go, no, we'll do all of it the, the, exactly the way it should be. And yeah, I, I love it a little more for that, you know? Like I said, I don't think it's you know, brilliant by any stretch of the imagination, but it has so much about it that is admirable you know, for what they've done with it, because there's a clear sticking to the plan thing going on here. Yeah, I was absolutely floored in terms of how well understood this game actually ended up being from the people that were developing it in terms of many of the things that you just mentioned in terms of, you know, it is very much rooted in this old school style of survival horror games from various eras and things like that. But they don't sort of like Mm -hmm. pick and choose what they are trying to in terms of like the sensibilities of game dev to try to evoke the certain elements from that era that we still hold on to and still cherish to a certain degree. And that was what stood out to me the most was that you don't sort of have these modern conventions that are then kind of almost would feel shoehorned in to the more classical style of game that they're trying to be uh, evoking from, which I find would almost make the game seem a little disingenuous, right? The idea that, oh, well, we're going to pick these sort of like nostalgia elements, but then we're going to modernize it. But in practice, like in theory, that might sound great, but in practice, then it would make probably for a very uneven experience. And I found this to be not streamlined, but just a more polished and less frustrating from a control Mm. perspective um, in terms of like being a throwback, but then it capitalizes on the more modern elements in the best way in that this game looks pretty phenomenal, I think, considering, again, how small the team is. That was the other thing that really took me back uh, in getting to play the first few hours and then, of course, actually finishing the game later on. But I was just taken with how it feels obviously very familiar to like the Spencer Mansion from Resi or something to that effect. But at the same time, there's a level of polish there that really makes certain parts of the environment pop in a way that I don't necessarily know the Spencer Mansion did it for me in certain portions and whatnot. Like there's just going to be elements of that, at least in the original game, that it's like, well, I've this sort of maybe part of it has not aged the best that it could have. But then something like Tormented Souls does such a great job of making each of the environments pop, no matter how maybe familiar they might feel. Um, And, you know, that was something that I think extends to a majority of my time with the game. And, you know, whether it be exploring the halls of the uh, mansion or the basement and the facility and things like that, or whether it's the puzzles themselves, which some of them maybe are not the most inspired or feel a little too familiar sometimes, but everything is done so with a polish that you wouldn't necessarily attribute to the sensibilities of the older style of games that they are trying to be evoking from, which was very surprising. And I think if anything, this would stand and, you know, much to like you said, this is not a game without its share of issues. And, you know, the further into the game I got, the more sort of issues popped up for me. But at the same time, like right out of the gate, it's a game that's very sure of itself. It knows exactly what it wants to do. And more often than not, from just the aesthetic and the type of game that it is trying to be, it's very clear-headed in what it wants to do. And it's successful in a lot of ways that other studios that maybe even were a little bit bigger kind of fumbled or dropped the ball yeah. on. Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's, it's lucky that it turns out to be you know, short as it is, I think, in order to not really de-escalate too far with this whole thing. I think, again, a very good idea to sort of keep it back to the way that the games were in terms of length and uh, not get too carried away. Yeah, so, I mean, I will kind of... A, my biggest weird-out issue that came out from the beginning, and some will say that it's, oh, oh, you've got to have this girl waking up naked in a bathtub, that's just a bit puerile, it's a bit... Uh, yeah. But it's like, come on, you know, it's, it's that kind of game, it's evoking that. It's not so much that, it's generally the 
character design of Caroline, which to me doesn't quite feel like it belongs in the game it's in. You know, it looks a little too, you know, it's like, like in Into the Spider-Verse when you have the different animation styles coming into the one set animation style. It feels like it comes from another thing. You know, it doesn't, she doesn't always mm. look right. I think it's mainly in the face where her eyes are just a bit too wide compared to the other characters as well. And mm-hmm. it's a shame because it's very distracting at first. You know, it's not too late where you're like, you go just running around a lot more and doing all the things that you don't really care. But it's like <laughs> right. when in cutscenes, which, you know, again, are another thing which <laughs> are very much evoking the time, if you will. Um, and mm-hmm. voice acting and syncing of it is a bit off. But that, to me at least, feels endearing because it's you know what it used to be and it feels like it, it is trying to evoke right. that as much as it might well be that you know it just is generally a bit bad but it it, it works for that um but yeah the character design was the main thing for me at first that really irked me throughout even though if i did forget it now and again but um it's made worse probably because there's some really good design work in there, you know, not just in terms of like uh, the Winter Lake Asylum, uh, where, where you go around in this game, which just has that classic vibe of, you know, there's a story behind it, you know, in how it looks and each room looks and the things in it and has those absurd puzzles that you would find in those kind of games that really work. And it's great in that regard. And so yeah, when something is so off like that, you know, it really does show. And again, most of the time, not a problem. It's just that it's that different. That's just that little bit different that, that kind of bugged me. Yeah, I'll I'll start by saying I was pleasantly surprised that the game does not linger on what I thought was going to be more prevalent throughout it, which was kind of like mm. pointless TNA, which essentially like. I mean, in the the loading screen and then the gameplay, all that I'd seen, it was like, you're this young woman running around in like a skimpy dress, which like, why would you be doing that if you're going to be kind of like <laughs> running around this asylum investigating those monsters? And then, of course, the game opens up with like nudity and things like that. I was glad that they moved away from that just in terms of like from the outside, it kind of looked like it was setting up to be a little yeah. more indulgent in some of those things that don't really benefit the story in any way or really have a purpose other than to uh, appease like the male gaze and things like that. But then, of course, it doesn't dabble in that. And that's not a primary the thing that kind of like is recurring. You can also, you know, put on a bit more combat friendly yeah. uh, outfit and whatnot. Um, but moving on from that, I definitely agree in terms of like the locales themselves everything feels Mm. lived in in a way that is great it's not just this like negative space i would think to the uh the library area where at one point you're running through and yeah it's a library but then you eventually have to solve a puzzle to power a battery and then when you can use the lift to get to the second level there's like this little chest nook in there and it's not just that there's a chessboard but there's a stack of books they've been meaning to get to and there's uh, a bottle of cognac or whiskey or something there and there's like cigarette but like Clearly, this is a space that used to be occupied, which, if anything, it makes it more eerie when you end up encountering the monsters and things like that and how uh, how they contrast to this very sort of normal lived in space. And then there are these hellish creations that are clearly the uh, the sick creations of somebody that had been there at one point. But I just loved that. And it it gives a sense of personality to what otherwise might be somewhat familiar of an environment. But just going that extra distance, I think, and, you know, like you had said, those uh, pre-rendered backgrounds and things like that, it just, it makes everything look far more exquisite almost than it should be based, again, on the size of the team that uh, created this and it's just, you know, the general, and I say inexperience with the caveat of inexperience in terms of, like, having a long yeah. portfolio or a thick, a wide portfolio of games, not to talk about anybody's ability or anything, but it just kept surprising me over and over and over. And I would never describe this as being a budget title, even if the digital version Mm. is priced like a budget title. I think it's 20 bucks or something. But at the same time, I think that again, it has this level of polish and follow through and understanding of what it wants to do so much so that it really does step outside of that kind of like general quality that you might associate with that price range. I think it's more 
on physical or whatever, but thinking about the amount of people that are going to stumble upon this on the storefronts and whatnot, $20, you kind of have a general idea of like, oh, well, this is going to be similar to some other things and it's going to be very janky in this regard. But with this game, I, at every turn, I yeah. was more and more surprised just how well thought out and how fleshed out so many elements of it were. Yeah, it's... I think the thing that really gets me as well is that it's not like we're talking in a bubble here with this. I mean, considering what it is, it's reviewed quite well. I think it just, you know, I think averages at about 75 on Metacritic. So, you know, and has some really high scores. I mean, mine, I think, was three and a half out of five. So mine was not nowhere near the highest sort of thing. So, but, you know, that's, I, I consider that a very good score, I might add. Um, but yeah, it, it really does just amaze you how well it's put together in that regard. And I think it also has that kind of appeal, like in horror films, of like Euro horror, you know, where it's like there's so much in it that's absurd and silly, and but works in this way that you couldn't do now in the same way, you know. Um, and that was always like the appeal of that era of survival horror games is this weird mm-hmm. not quite reality feeling to this digital world you're playing in that and all the weird shit going on in it that really sort of connected with that era of horror movies um where everyone's like oh i discovered this thing and it's amazing because it has a you see it a lot in film where there's so many films now that try to go back and recapture that sort of uh, vibe you know of you know, the Giallo era of like you know, the, the general Euro horror, the, the madness that happens. I mean, when he had it last year, with like even Edgar Wright was basically doing his own version of Giallo film, you know, and but it's never quite that because there's always a modernization. And as we go back to what I said before, this doesn't try to be modern in that many ways. It's probably closer to say Resident Evil remake in terms of like what it's doing you know aesthetically and mechanically but it still as a result feels like it belongs to that era which you know that is part of that era it just happened to you know because those kind of games have started to move away from that you know remake looks you know phenomenal as a result by comparison because it was still mm-hmm. learning you know, taking the old tricks that it learned and applying them in a new way yeah it just it's oddball in the best way and I think even then with my grievances with the look of Caroline you think back to Euro horror things like that and how many of them are just like these skimpily clad young girls like walking doe-eyed through all sorts of unimaginable horror I mean Christ Dario Argento made a career out of it you know it's like (laughs) it's like so (laughs) yeah in a way it works and it goes back again to what I was saying you know its flaws work because that's what was always the appeal to that kind of game, you know, is that it captures something of that danger and that excitement that you didn't get from other games. And while it feels odd to say that now, you know, like 25 years after most of those games start coming out, it's still, you know, it's rare to get a game that really does it exactly like it was. I think that this game definitely succeeds more than it fails in sort of mm-hmm. abiding by that through not only just the way it looks, but also the sort of sensibilities behind a lot of the puzzle solving and whatnot. And if anything, it takes that very classical approach to like, oh, well, there's a lock here. I have to find acid to melt through it and things like that. But it takes it one step further with probably the most modern amenities to the way in which a lot of these horror games deal with puzzles and things like that and the way in which you interact with items, right? Because you can pick up an item and then spin it around and investigate it and, oh, there's an extra little tidbit to this that I click on and now all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it has a new functionality. Or just the ways in which it's more in line with classical, right? You have to combine one or more things, but then the game really leans into one of the influences further into the game, which would be something like Silent Hill in that you can pass over to another dimension basically through these mirrors And then all of a sudden, things that you are influencing in this past realm, this more past-like horrifying realm, begin to influence the modern setting and whatnot and the puzzles. And that was probably the most 
modern advancement in terms of like moving away or differentiating itself a little bit with some from the classic uh, aesthetic that they're going for and classic gameplay yeah. uh, sensibilities with something a little more modern. But that feels like a very unintrusive way to do that. It feels like it is very logical in that. Well, it's one extra little tidbit that, if anything, I think it gives a little bit of life to some of the puzzles that maybe feel a little familiar, things that kind of maybe feel like they're cribbing a little too much from something that it came before it. Um, and that was something that, while there are instances of it that are frequent enough, I almost wish that they'd leaned into that yeah. maybe a little more, like the element with the mirrors for puzzle solving, because there's only probably three instances where you have to do something like that. And that, if anything, probably shows the most originality in terms of pushing forwards this the sentiment that they're moving forwards with and what the ethos of this game design is and things like that. So I'm curious for you then, with games like this that are so homage heavy, what do they need to do to sort of justify their existence more so than just being a homage to a lot of other classical type of games within that same genre? I think the most obvious thing there is not to be too much like one of them. Yeah, it's like like any good interpretation of an old story you pick and choose your elements and make and shape it into something new and this is very much like that it, you know we're talking about this now around the time a scream film comes out you know that uh, the series is constantly doing that constantly repicking the you know, history of horror movies to do something different with it while still sort of retaining its identity and yeah so it is entirely possible to do that and I think Tormented Souls like I said while the go-to references are like I said those classic ones that everybody knows like Resident Evil or Alone in the Dark the ones that to me as I said came to mind were the ones that people like to talk about in the horror community were more where you know like stuff like Rule of Rose, Haunting Ground, etc., etc. Um, one obscure. I know that's very different as game as those games go, but yeah, the stuff that feels like it's some lost, exciting thing that you know. Oh, everyone knows Halloween, but do they know like what would be a lesser equivalent of that? So many. There's prom night. Prom yeah, night okay, yeah. Prom night. <laughs> I mean, prom night has its own thing. Like you said, with Scream, people know it because of that, but. Yeah, but uh, oh god, I'm just, probably there's so many. <laughs> I just couldn't think of one off the top of my head. But yeah, you have like those. If you like have the Arrow Video Channel, and you have all, like so many of those '80s style slashers, and you're like, they're all really Moorish and cool, even though they don't do much different. They have just that little thing that's about them. That's like, yeah, I like this. This this works for me. And yeah, Tormented Souls gets that entirely. You know. It, it's like I said, it's got a bit of Euro horror to it, a bit of that cult classic sort of style to it. And yeah, it's sort of sits somewhere between if you're going to say the two big styles in survival horror are Resident Evil style survival horror and Silent Hill's psychological style survival horror, it takes a bit of both. Yeah, you know, it's like it has combat that but its combat does lean closer to Silent Hill than it does to Resident Evil, you know, you gun is makeshift you know, it's a nail gun you know when you get that and then it has you know the traveling between realms thing which as a thing was very interesting to me that when that i got to play the whole game i played the preview and i think that was another one of those things that contributed to my lessening of my appreciation for the medium because while you know, the medium's attempt at doing such a thing is very much more ambitious and you know impressive and what was done here it was so subdued and it was just like a part of the game it wasn't showy it wasn't it was just it felt integral to the story in a way that i don't think the medium really made it work that way it just often it just felt like a gimmick of showing look what we can do which is great yeah but you know it's like you want to do a bit more with it more often and sometimes it just felt like it was there for the sake of it here it was like no just for a bit do this do that and yet, like you said, it does have that Silent Hill appeal to it because, you know, you, you transfer to this other world and you don't quite know what you're to expect. And I like that. And as you said, it sort of fits this history that this place has and the story it's telling. And, you know, while 
the you know the more audible side of the story isn't as appealing i think because of the world building and everything about it it feels so much more convincing and compelling as a story and I, th- these are all important elements i think you know you if you're not going to have the best voice actors or the best writing necessarily in that you can still build a really good world and and not have to worry about that and i think that again is a really key element in why this works despite like cribbing from here there and everywhere it, because that that is where its identity lies that is where it is its own thing and it feels like its own thing i think that this game succeeds in what's probably the biggest area that if they had faltered in this regard then it would have just kind of yeah. been another one of these run-of-the-mill homages in that the attention to building the world everything no matter how ridiculous a puzzle might seem or uh, plot development might seem it feels at home in the world and you know the mirror that you mentioned is a perfect example to the degree where it's like it's just very matter-of-factly introduced they don't over rely on it or anything and the uses of it make sense not only from the puzzle uh, implementation, but also the narrative and how that feeds into the mm-hmm. backstory and the characters and this whole history and the overall twist that's coming, which we'll get into in a little bit. But also, I think just in terms of like making everything feel at home in this world. I mean, there's to get into the library, you there's this knocker and you have to figure out the right combination. So, of course, how do you find that out? You use a stethoscope on a statue and you hear the heartbeat of a statue and it's all completely ridiculous and ludicrous, but it feels like it fits with this very macabre uh, environment that has this very sordid history that makes itself Mm. apparent pretty early on, but it feels like it is the mind of a twisted person that is behind everything that's happening. And as we learn, that's very fitting in terms of where the plot goes and the kind of like, what is uh, the secrets that are on earth for this asylum and the characters and those who reside within it. But also on the other hand, again, coming back to the idea that it does just enough to give itself the semblance of its own personality past just being this, again, a homage to any number of games that we've mentioned, like little things like giving you a nail gun instead of a handgun or giving you this makeshift pipe Mm. system for a shotgun that has its own kind of like unique animation and whatnot. Like there's such little things that overall would probably be pretty inconsequential, but it furthermore facilitates the own sense of identity that this game begins to craft for itself in a way that I appreciate it. It, It's a little, in that instance, it's a cosmetic thing, but from a design standpoint, something like the shotgun, sure, it's devastating compared to the nail gun, which once you get to a certain point kind of feels useless, but it's a single shot weapon. And you find like a Lance taser or something later in the game, but that has more charges than the shotgun does, but that only incapacitates them for a couple of seconds. And so there's a great, sort of residing to the fact that you're never allowed to become the super soldier that inevitably in a lot of these survival horror games you end up being yeah. by the end of the game, right? I mean, how often or not do you get to the end of any number of games we mentioned where you have a certain amount of resources that chances are there aren't many encounters that you give more than a second thought outside of like a boss or something. Whereas I found with Tormented Souls, for those that maybe are a little more, they like their survival horror more masochistic, this game is pretty difficult mm. up until the very end of it. And it I never really felt like I was able to approach any of the encounters, whether it's with the first type of enemy you encounter or the bigger kind of brute enemies. I wasn't allowed to really approach any instances of combat kind of like willy-nilly. I kind of always had to have a plan ready. I always had to make sure I had the right amount of ammo if I was going to uh, encounter an enemy and things like that or... Do I need to kind of go forage in another part yeah. and then come back and face this challenge? Or just running past the enemies sometimes. Sometimes that's an option. Um, but that was something that I thought maybe it was a little unbalanced sometimes. But overall, in terms of the game, I thought it did a great job of keeping the tension throughout the entire course of what was, I think, an eight-hour experience for me. Which, again, is not something that I attribute to a lot of survival horror games generally. I get three-fourths of the way through and then I'm like, well, this last fourth of the game is probably going to be a little bit of a breeze until mm. the big crescendo boss yeah there was an element of the unexpected to it that was very pleasing you know about it, it just I mean straight from the off the anime design is just delightfully bizarre and well, I can't say unique but it feels different enough you know to, to what it is just mm. I mean one of the first things you encounter is like a wheelchair bound 
thing with scissor hands. And it's like, yeah, it, it sounds like the most cliche sort of horror <laughs> monster thing ever, but it works because it, it just, it's the squeak of the wheels as it comes after you and the, the snap of the sheer type scissors it's got. It's like, it almost takes you back, you know, despite, and again, this is one of those things that invokes the nostalgia that isn't there really because it's it wasn't a game you played then, but just, you know, the amount of times you played games like that, you know, but those games then and it's always stuff slightly off camera with a fixed camera this is perfect for that where you'll hear the noises and know what's in the room and you're like oh crap but you don't want to turn a corner <laughs> because you don't want to be there yeah. be unprepared for where exactly that thing is and yeah it just but also mm-hmm. it becomes a tell when you replay these things and then you're like oh okay so I know that's going to be then that reminder where to go now and yeah I really yeah, it does a good job, I think, of utilizing that fixed camera in that the first time you see that wheelchair-bound creature, you are at an angle where it's completely engulfed in shadows, I believe, and you just see the outline of the wheelchair kind of like rolling by and you hear the squeaks yeah. before you actually see it, like you had said. And that's a perfect introduction and just understanding of how to use those for an effect other than just like giving us a cutscene and like, oh... Here's this new monstrosity you have to fit. Like, they play with that in a way that keeps you in the moment, which, if anything, it adds a certain level of intensity, I found, throughout the entire game with enemies, much like you had said, is that you are you begin to become familiar enough with the types of foes that you face that you identify them based off of sound, which, more often than not, if you don't have a keen eye on how much equipment and resources you have, that can be pretty nerve-wracking in terms of, like, going into a room... All of a sudden, there's that panic that sets in. You hear that squeak or those claws of something dragging itself across the floor. All of a sudden, you have to remember, how many shotgun rounds do I have? How many nail gun rounds do I have? Those types of things, which if it didn't have some of the, maybe the limit, it doesn't have tank controls, but there maybe are some limitations in the way you can maneuver. That adds in of itself an extra step that goes into your own survival in terms of trying to flee or outmaneuvering something, which... I really appreciate it just in terms of, again, the overall way in which combat is constructed in that regard. And I think in terms of like the types of enemies you face, there's just enough in the ways in which they move, their attack patterns, that, and they all abide by that same aesthetic, right, of being this sort of like medical abomination in a way that ties into the asylum and the sort of nefarious nature of the experiments going on. But even still, like, They have different variables in terms of the speed at which they move. One of the enemies will slash at you, but then also all of these different spikes Mm. like protrude from their body and you have to kind of gauge the range that that has. And these are all like tells and signs that after a while you do get a sense of like, okay, this is a wheelchair guy. This is a crawling guy. I know what to expect. But again, the amount of damage that they deal can be so severe that you're not allowed to treat anything like an afterthought I found. Um, and, you know, there's nothing more terrifying than having your shotgun at the ready and you click fire and then you're dry and you've completely run out. And all of a sudden you have to kind of like backstep and then check and scramble to see what else you have in there. And, you know, that's something that is instill it's tapping into a very kind of like primal fear that mm-hmm. I always had with survival horror games that feels almost at contrast with just how polished everything looks, which is a nice contrast and uh, that I really appreciate. Yeah, it's... um that combined with you know the, the archaic save system style thing uh, it really just does <laughs> yeah. bring you right back to the oh crap I've got to get from here to here with this much ammo and knowing that this is there and that's there it's like it's yeah it just brings that exciting strategy back to things I mean, you know as much as like the Resident Evil remakes did a decent job in sort of modernising that it's still even on the harder difficulties, still felt like it was holding your hand a bit in terms of like, well, you can kind of see how much ammo you've got, you can kind of see this, that, and the other. And to, you have a better gauge of what how you are than you used to. This really does just go back to the idea of like, well, if you don't check, you know, you're going to be <laughs> wondering. Um, and yeah, you can very... Getting out that mindset as well, the very modern mindset of like wasting a few bullets is just very quickly... You know, beaten out of you. you know, it's, it's your talk. No, no, you, you've used too much already and you are going to suffer for it now. And yeah, there's a sadistic part of everyone who's enjoyed those games that's like, yeah, that, that's for me. That's for me. <laughs> I like that 
you know, I, I will say I'll amend this with the fact that occasionally I ran into the thing where enemies did not always react the same mm. way to certain weapons that they did previously. And I think to like the crowbar specifically, which is your melee weapon in that there were some instances where I would hit a guy a couple of times and they yeah. would get knocked on their back. And then I could use that obviously as a tactic in that I'd shoot them a few times. I'd hit them with the crowbar. They fall over and then hit them while they're still down. But sometimes I ran into the thing where a crowbar did not always knock mm-hmm. somebody on their ass occasionally. And when I was already low on health, as I mentioned earlier, like the enemies can deal an astronomical amount of damage sometimes. That becomes an issue because it becomes the fact that you can't rely yeah. on anything, which I found to be a little frustrating just because I was like, well, is there like some random crit system I'm not aware of? Does this a game like this, as polished as it look? have that much forethought into uh, implementing something like that? Or is this just like occasionally you're hitting something with a crowbar and it's interacting with the environment and getting knocked over? In that regard, it was a little unreliable, which made the end state of the game when I was low on ammo more difficult because I didn't really have a strategy that I could rely on with any sort of uh, reliance. But at the same time, I found that I enjoyed the challenge early on when I was flush with ammo of learning how many shots it took to take down one enemy or the combination between the shotgun, the nail gun, and the crowbar or later in the game with the, um, what I guess I'll call it a cattle prod yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of like knocking an enemy over, how many hits can I get before they jump back up? That was frustrating, but at the same time, when I was flush with resources, I enjoyed that challenge because I was not as nervous. Whereas when my back was against the wall, essentially in the later half of the game and you're only facing those kind of like towering brute enemies and every single hit could be your last that became a little more frustrating in the uh the back half of the game yeah there were the odd instance where you have depending on the angle and something slightly off corner it it doesn't hit uh, which i think is just the collision detection is just a bit off there it I can understand that, but it was very obvious why it happened. And again, this is something that could probably be fixed and polished over time anyway, and probably has in some cases, I'd imagine. But um, so, yeah, I mean, they've done a lot of work to fix the game up in the time they've had it out anyway. So it's, yeah, they're certainly keeping at it and keep polishing it. And I think it's going to gain a decent reputation over time like that. I mean, we don't. It would feel mean to call it a seven out of ten game, you know. But you think back to that era of like the PS3, 360 era of games that, that were like mid-range stuff, where you didn't know what you were going to get. Sometimes it'd be bad, sometimes it'd be good. And you know, this feels like one of those where it was like, oh, this is a good one. You know, I like this. This, mm-hmm. this is interesting. And yeah, I, I, so yeah, it's not a disservice to say that to it. I, I really think it is. To, well, I'm talking about seven out of ten in the very normal sense. Like seven is not a bad score. You can't dismiss <laughs> the rest of the numbers below it, sort of thing. So yeah, I think it, it's worthy of that sort of title being that sort of cult hit. I mean, that's best. You think of that in anything. You know, the, the films that people don't generally want to watch that there will always be an audience like, oh yeah, this is cool. We like this because it does this goofy thing or this cool thing like that. And yeah, it has that appeal to it. So I'm, I'm really hopeful for not only this game's future, but you know, for Dual Effects' future and what they could get to do next. Because, I've, like we were saying before, there are so many studios that have tried to capture this sort of PS2 era of survival horror, and yet it's taken till now I think to really get it right I mean I think games like Daymare you know which was going to be the original sort of Resident Evil 2 remake before Capcom stepped in and made their own but you know that still then was very much lacking in any identity when it had to become its own thing because it was still trying to be Resident Evil and as we've discussed already this never went out with the intention of being a fan game of any kind or like that it is pretty much like no no we love survival horror we love all elements of what those games were and as you said it shows in the weapons in terms of like the item management the puzzles it, it, it's there's no quarter given on it. It, it they have pretty much said nope this is it we are making 
a classic survival horror with all the things that we love about survival horror. And I think that's where you can really tell that this began as a two-person project, you know, is that there's so much detail in that, you know, in getting the little things right about that genre, you know, and really bringing it back. You know, and I think it's not until you have a game that does that that you suddenly look back at the games where you couldn't quite figure out what was missing that tried to evoke it and you're like, ah, there you go. It was that. It's just like it was surface level. You know, it's like it's you know, games that try to take on the basic vague ideas of what they should be, you know, what oh yeah, you've got to have this, you've got to have, you know, brutal difficulties, you've got to save spots and you've got to have like limited ammo. It's like, no, it's not just about that. It's about, you know, finding, interconnecting everything, you know, it, so it all feels like one whole. And, yeah, Tormented Souls, as we said, despite its influences, very much feels like its own thing all throughout. Everything feels like it's made for this game, for this world first. Bar maybe, as we said, the lead character's design. But, Yeah. Yeah, it is a very cohesive love letter in a way that I think eludes a lot of games that are like, well, this era of games is popular. Let's cash in on some nostalgia or let's build this from the ground up in that we're going to have variables that on the surface aesthetically can tap into people's nostalgia. But then when you get down to the fundamentals, they don't really are. You don't you find that they are not in line with that era that they're trying to evoke. And this, I think, is perfect in its adapting sort of classic style with modern amenities in a way again like i said that doesn't seem intrusive mm. and no part was i like well this is a mechanic that is not in line with the type of experience they're trying to design um and i think that that is probably the biggest compliment i could give it in that they're yeah. so finely in tuned and even after like like we had said it began as a very small team and then it grew a little bit it doesn't feel as if anything was influenced by the additional help or anything like that you know what i mean it doesn't feel like all of a sudden, because we're collaborating, we're going to start deviating from the original idea. From the outset, this feels like a game that was very pristinely designed in adhering to certain fundamentals and never really steers from that. Again, that's mostly speculation, I suppose, but it doesn't feel like it is a game that made a lot of concessions in terms of this is the type of experience we want to make. It needs to be resemblant of this influences and the variety of those, as we've mentioned. Um, you know, I would say that that also probably comes through in the puzzles in a way where the puzzles are probably, I would say, more complex than anything I would have found in some of the games that it was drawing inspiration from. How did you feel about the puzzles in they were, general? <laughs> they were some of them were hard. <laughs> yeah, that, they were very, very difficult. Yeah, I was um, taken aback by it at first, but yeah, I, again, one of those things that that sadistic part of you that says yeah no this is exactly how I remember it to be it was like where you spend ages maybe weeks going I don't know how to do this puzzle like that I mean now obviously it's not such a problem yeah I'm older and the internet exists when you do get stuck afterwards but you know when you're reviewing a game before it comes out you don't really have that luxury so it's uh, always fun and you know that could have really dragged it down for a lot and in some instances, I appreciated that more because when the puzzles were simpler, they felt a bit out of place, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's fair. You're going to have to have a bit of variety on that. But still, it was... I can understand how it would be frustrating. I mean, I've seen quite a few reviews on Steam and stuff about people who are like, yeah, I really love this game, but, you know, the puzzles just were too hard for me you know i mean the honesty there was great you know i didn't think I'd, i honestly didn't think i'd see many like that but yeah it's so true it's like it can be very difficult but i think people love the idea of cracking them solving them or even you know if they can just use a guy to get past them they'll be like okay you know but it's fine and yeah it was awesome to see that they didn't try to you know make it too obvious and there's always a logic to the puzzles, you know, when you really think about it. That's the key thing. I think maybe with the exception of one or two where you're like, maybe you could have streamlined that a little bit. I think it really generally 
you know, it worked for the kind of game that they were making. Yeah, if anything, I would say the puzzles that were clearly designed for somebody far smarter than me, I was appreciative of the fact that it evoked the feeling that I had when I was dabbling in like those survival horror games that had puzzles way back in like the early 2000s when access to the internet for me was like limited and there weren't the abundance of guides and yeah. things like that. It captured that frustration, but it was never a detriment to my experience because A, like you had said, they're all based in logic. So if I wanted to do the fine digging and whatnot, I could find it, mm. uh, the answer within what is provided. But at the end of the day, like we have this abundance of guides now and videos and walkthroughs and all these things that it was not a detriment to my overall experience because I was like, well, if I want to spend the extra time to figure this out on my own, I have the tools to do that. It just yeah. requires the brain power and the time to spend doing that. Or if I kind of am in a bind and I want to get through it to continue, I can just go use a guide. I'm one of those people where I'm like, yeah, I'm uh, I'm willing to admit that I've used guides before in games and I'm not shy to do that if it kind of is facilitating the pace at which I want to explore yeah. and uh, be entertained by this, right? If I'm good... I don't want to be bogged down by a puzzle for 20 minutes and be frustrated because then I'm going to want to stop playing. And then I'm going to potentially like have an experience with this that is all of a sudden negative when there's a clear solution right there. And I don't think you can't be appreciative of the fact that early on, yeah, there are some puzzles that feel very simplistic and very handholdy and maybe a little too modernized or developed for an audience that's used to having all the answers but then you can't discredit the fact that they went to great pains with some of those puzzles yeah. to lay the breadcrumbs out that it is something that is very solvable. You just have to do a little more digging for them. And they're a little more complex than maybe even some survival horror games that we've encountered. Think about something like the medium, you know, to come yeah. back to that. How many puzzles in that took more than like two or three minutes to solve, basically? Whereas with this game, there's definitely a handful that... I mean, I spent maybe 15 minutes or 20 minutes on one puzzle, and I was like, well, I think I'm going to move on from this puzzle, but I appreciate the amount of thought and depth that went into crafting something like this, because I don't think that's necessarily always the case. Sometimes mm. puzzles can feel like an afterthought, and the fact to see a game that it is treated like, with, I suppose, the respect or the complexity that a puzzle deserves to earn that name of being a puzzle, that's something I can at least respect. Yeah. Absolutely. Or be appreciative of Given that this isn't like a massively you know, big game, I, I don't really want to go into the ending too much or the story mm -hmm. too much, just because I think, yeah, while it isn't like amazing or anything, it, it's worth you know, having, experiencing yourself, I think, with this one. I think maybe we might come back to it one day and have that discussion was on. But for now, I think leaving that open and the story open a bit to people would really enhance the experience especially if you're a fan of games of that era you know it would really do you the best to not know any more than that i guess all i would say about the ending is and the story it is perfectly in line with the type of experience they set out to craft and it complements yeah. that very much so and in keeping with certain survival horrors of that era there are multiple endings i might add as well mm -hmm. so depending on how you do certain things within the game that aren't really choreographed you know it's not really things where they go oh if you don't do this now then this is a choice this is a choice it is very much the usual you must meet these parameters these parameters or these parameters it's basically the old good bad sad what neutral ending sort of thing <laughs> which um yeah it it works well for it isn't and i've checked out the other ending that i didn't see and yeah it generally is just yeah it, it all sort of fits in with the story whatever you do and I like that. Again, that's one of those things that kind of been lost where it's a, a subtle changes to the endings based on things you just do in the game without thinking about it. Mm. Rather than just like, here's the big moral choice. Choose path A or path B yeah. and then go for it. It's like, uh, there's nothing like that. And again, refreshing. Well, I think also it just speaks, like I'm not somebody that necessarily wants to experience every single ending or maybe spend the amount of time to accidentally discover how you can get a new ending. But I'm appreciative of the fact that there's that level of thought in the design that they were like, well, we're going to implement what, unless you use a guide maybe, or you're just, you're searching every single piece of information you can find. Yeah. Those endings are kind of hard to find or they're difficult to, which if anything feels like game design that's made 
it's game design that is ignoring the fact that there's a bevy of resources out there to have all these things, which yeah. I think is important because then it results in not feeling handholdy or it doesn't feel like an afterthought. There's a lot of depth to this game that somebody like me is not going to necessarily spend the time to uncover every nook and cranny or every secret that the game has. Hmm. There's definitely people out there, though, that I think are into that. And that was definitely an element of old school survival horror games and whatnot. And again, without delving into what that actually entails for the endings, I think that that shows, again, this it a love letter to an era of games that has passed, but feels very reminiscent of them in a way that's not disingenuous. It's not just, let's give them three endings that feel lackluster, whereas I looked into the endings and each of them are different and there's a different level yeah. of complexity that goes into them, which, again... It's not necessarily for me, but I am appreciative of the fact that they don't feel like they are just an afterthought. Yeah, yeah, totally. This was a game that I was very pleasantly surprised by and that it was one that was one of your honorable mentions. And I think it was definitely, uh, definitely deserving of that because it stood out in a way that maybe not necessarily every single one of these love letters of survival horror has for me. No, no yeah, as I say, it just does the things that it should do right and comes off great for it and i think it's going to be one of those that appreciates the value over time especially as it gets you know, polished up more patched more and little changes and tweaks and for whatever we'll see from that studio in the future i think we're just gonna this could be seen as a proper modern take on you know what people used to love and done right so and at the very basis of that you know regardless of how i felt you know at the time with flaws and all that was it It, that's what i came away from the game with was this sense of yeah this does it this does exactly what i've wanted at these kind of games for so long and it's nice to see it's like and i hope it ends up being a template for more small studios and studios to sort of take that next step and, and make more games like this because you know I'm as much as I love this era of like the PS1 era of survival horror style games and the subversions of that I'd love to see what they could do with the next level of that you know and that's to me is exciting I think that this is a solid uh, a solid foundation to see where they can go with a little bigger budget and maybe a bigger studio and just and whatnot the notoriety that they get with this first step into uh the horror realm and whatnot but whatever they uh decide to make in the future hopefully we will uh be able to chat about it in the future but neil as always it's a pleasure chatting horror with you for safe room absolutely we shall speak again soon thank you for listening to another episode of safe room please consider following and rating the show on your preferred podcast platform and for updates on the show follow us on twitter at safe room pod thanks again for listening and we'll see you guys next week